NetCredit is here to say yes to a personal loan or line of credit when other lenders say no. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. If approved, applications are typically funded the next business day or sooner. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Application subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partner. NetCredit. Credit to the people. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because. Hey, listen, remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, 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 of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. <laughs> well. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food service. Prepare yourself for the only talk radio show you'll want to turn up. Crank this thing. Sirius XM Pandora presents the place where your hard rock and metal voice can still be heard. You bet your ass, baby. Unfiltered, uncensored, say whatever you want. Hit the record button. Anything can happen, you know. I know that ain't nobody out there came to be mellow tonight, now did you? I say, I say there ain't nobody. I say there ain't nobody not out there. That even wants to be a little bit mellow now, is there? Anybody wants to get mellow, you can turn around and get the fuck out of here, all right? This is the Trunk Nation Podcast, Podcast. with host A. Trunk. What's up, everybody? It's Eddie Trunk, and welcome to another episode of the Eddie Trunk Podcast. New each and every Thursday, wherever you get your podcast bringing you news-making interviews with the biggest names in rock. As I tell you guys every week, everything you hear on the Eddie Trunk Podcast originated on my Sirius XM radio show, which is called Trunk Nation, and heard live Monday through Friday, 3 to 5 Eastern, Faction Talk, Sirius XM Channel 103, or anytime live or on demand on the Sirius XM app. If you live in the U.S. or Canada and you only listen to this podcast, you're only getting a tiny fraction of what I do on the radio live every day. Come on board and join us for Trunk Nation each and every day, either live or on the app, and get the full picture, interviews, be able to call in, music news every day, a whole lot going on. Join us to get the whole picture. And remember, you can always get a free three-month trial, SiriusXM.com slash Eddie Trunk. Get three, uh, 90 days free, no credit card required, so no excuse not to come on board and at least sample us for three months and Hopefully come on board and join us each and every day for Rock Talk. Follow me on social media at Eddie Trunk, Twitter or X, Instagram, Facebook page. Uh, at the time you guys are hearing this, I am at Rock Island in Key West, Florida. If you are a listener every day, we're doing some shows from backstage. So be sure to tune in for that. And then uh, next week I go to California. Looking forward next Tuesday to going to Anaheim. And uh, I'm sorry, next Tuesday, I'll be in Agora Hills Canyon Club, where I'll be hosting a tribute to Leslie West, a benefit for Music Cares for the Grammy Foundation. That should be great. A ton of great artists playing. So hopefully see you next Tuesday in Agora Hills at the Canyon Club. 
And then next Wednesday, I'm in Anaheim, just outside of the NAM events, where I'll host the annual Heavy Metal Hall of Fame, and this year also being given an award for my 40 years in broadcasting at that as well. So hope to see you. Those are both open to the public next week, Tuesday in Agora Hills, the Leslie West Tribute next Wednesday in Anaheim, the Metal Hall of Fame. That's at the Delta Marriott. And again, keep an eye on my social media at Eddie Trunk for info and updates on all fronts. EddieTrunk.com is the website. Also, quick note, uh, we are, you know, a little over a month away from the big 40th anniversary event that I did for my 40th year in radio in Vegas this past December. We have some T-shirts and some merch left over. If you'd like one of those anniversary event T-shirts or hoodies, just go to EddieTrunk.com, find the merch tab. You can order that or any other merch there as well. So definitely check that out. We got full video of that show as well. Just trying to figure out what we're going to be able to do with that and hopefully put that out sometime this year. But you can get a cool collectible t-shirt and other cool stuff in the merch store on my site. Okay, so this week I'm going to fast track an interview for you that I actually did last week. Usually there's about a, I don't know, two to three week lag before we are able to get some interviews from the radio show onto the podcast. But this week we're going to fast track it because it was a great one and it was a big one because it was with Rush guitarist Alex Lifeson. Alex called in to talk about a new line of amps, and of course we got into some other stuff as well. It's interesting because Getty Lee has been out there making the rounds like crazy for his various projects, including his new book, but uh, Alex hasn't been talking all that much, but I was able to get him on the radio show to give us an update about his gear and also just what he's doing in general had the privilege and honor of knowing the Rush guys for many, many years. I've done a lot of cool stuff with them over the decades, and it's always great to spend some time with them. So happy to bring you on the podcast this week. Alex Lifeson of Rush, brand new interview. This happened live last week on Trunk Nation, my Sirius XM radio show. Enjoy. The one and only Alex Lifeson is live with us on Trunk Nation. Alex, how are you? I'm good, Eddie. How are you? Nice to nice to speak to you again. Yeah, it's been a bit. It's been too long. How's uh, how's everything going? Everything's good. You uh, you enjoying um, coming off the holidays and everything? You had some good time with the family and all that. Yeah, for sure. It was uh, it was a very busy holiday season this year. You know, I was in uh, London for a few days with Getty uh, on his book tour. So, um, you know, that was kind of uh, a little bit of chaos there but uh, the holidays were great and uh, you know I got to spend it with my family we you know my background is Serbian my my parents uh, are were Serbian and um you know so we celebrate on the 7th of uh January as well as just a family get together uh so we had about 30 people on on Sunday and that was that was really a lot of fun actually Wow, that's awesome. You know, uh, mentioning, I thought that was so cool because, of course, they saw the YouTube clips come out and everything of you there with Getty in, uh, I guess it was in London, as he's been really out there uh, with his book. I have not had a chance to read it yet. I'm actually going to start it this weekend. But did, was that something that was planned, or did you guys just both happen to be there at the same time? Well, the Toronto show, for sure, uh, he wanted me to do that one. And it made sense. You know, it's hometown and everything. and. Um, and, but he asked me to come to London to do the Portsmouth show and then the London show as well. Um, he asked me a while ago about that, you know, I guess a couple months ago, if I'd be up for coming over and, uh, and doing that. So, 
I said, of course, he's my best friend. I would feel more than happy to to help him out. So just uh, popped over there for a few days and, and right back. Have you read the book, Alex? Yeah, actually, Ged sent me a, a, the, a, a copy of the first edited version. Um, I think he went through three edits altogether, but he sent me that version. So it was a little longer than, than what the book is. Uh, and he wanted me to just corroborate some some of his memories, as well as just make sure I was okay with you know him talking about our relationship uh, the way he did. Uh, and of course it was. I read it. Um, you know, I'm not a particularly fast reader, but I, I read that over a weekend. And uh, I got to say, I laughed out loud so many times. I cried. I was so mesmerized. It was such a great read. And it really is a beautiful read. The flow, um, you know, he had um, Daniel Richler. Uh, as his ghostwriter, and you know, and Daniel is is a, a a writer himself, and so it has a really beautiful flow to it. And it's very easy to read, and it's the kind of book you you uh, you can't put down. Yeah, I can't wait to get into it. You know, the reason why I asked you if you read it is because I can't tell you how many times I've interviewed somebody in a band uh, about the book, and then some of the other members of that band, and I will ask them, "Did you read such and such's book?" And they will always say no because they're worried that it's going to cause a rift with them or there's going to be something in it that they didn't like. But it doesn't surprise me, knowing both you and Getty, that Getty was, uh, and the relationship you have, that Getty first, you know, had you take a look at it before it came out, so you weren't blindsided by anything. So you, I'm sure you felt comfortable reading it, knowing that. Well, yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, there was nothing, there was going to be nothing in the book that I would have an issue with. And, and it's his story. Um, you know, I think the main concern for him was the clarity of his memories. And he wanted to just make sure that he was getting some stories right. And there were a few things that, that weren't quite, um, <laughs> well, I shouldn't say accurate, <laughs> my point of view, but uh, my, my memory of those few events were slightly different. And, uh, and then he kind of remembered. So that I think that was the key thing that he was looking for. Listen, you know, doing these shows with him it was a no-brainer because basically I just sat on a stage with him doing the stuff that we've been doing for 50 years in the back of a car or in an airplane or in a bus. I mean, we're best of friends. And so it was just getting up in – and riffing and laughing and goofing around just like we always have. Yeah. And I think fans, and I can speak for myself too, being a fan, love seeing you two guys together, you know, whether it's when you played at the Taylor Hawkins event or just this book stuff and anything you might post on social media together. I mean, you know, people love it because it is so genuine and there is such an incredible history there. And you know, we all know that so many of the bands we grew up loving, uh, unfortunately, the, the members drift apart and they're really not friends. But it's so genuine with you two that I think that it really resonates with the fans in a big way. And, and you must pick up on a lot, a lot of that, too, that the fans just absolutely love seeing the two of you guys, uh, you know, together, happy, healthy, having fun, doing creative things and also carrying on the, the legacy of the band that they love so much. So that's got to feel good to see all that reaction that's come from, from when you guys do get together. Yeah, definitely. And this, this was really a great example of it. I mean, 
the, the, the audience in Toronto, it was like just being in a room with a bunch of friends. And I think that's the way they felt. It, it, you know, a lot of people didn't feel they had closure after we finished the last tour. And, um, and it, th- I think this is a way of, of giving them a little bit, you know, to see that everything's okay. And, uh, we're still, we're still friends and together and doing stuff together and, um, having, having, uh, the same kind of wonderful experiences that we've always had. Um, well, I want to talk about your amps, which I know is what you're calling in to talk about. But one last thing on books, did this inspire or get you thinking at all about maybe wanting to write your own autobiography? Oh, are you kidding? No way. <laughs> <laughs> I saw what he went through. This was a lot of work for him and it was, it drove him crazy. I mean, he's, I think he's relieved that he's done it all. It's kind of, you know, came to an end with this book tour. Uh, and he's 10 times happier <laughs> and more fun to be with now than, uh, than he has been in the last little while. But, you know, I'm not really, I mean, he, he felt he had a need to, you know, to talk about a lot of things in his life being, you know, a child of Holocaust survivors, um, that whole part of his history. And I don't, I, I just, I don't feel a need to, to do something like that. If if I was to do a book, it would be very sh- short and it would just be funny stuff. <laughs> so maybe I should. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, you know, um, I often uh, talk to my my good friend Ace Freely, and he cackles every time he thinks about you guys, and he says you are a super funny guy. So, uh, you know, you might have a book of just jokes or anecdotes like that that I think people would love. Yeah, you know what? That's, that's something to think about. Actually, that would be kind of fun. It would be fun <laughs> to put together, too. Maybe yeah, I will. for sure. Yeah, people would love that. All right, so let's talk about now. Now, in full disclosure, I am not. Um, you know, I love guitar playing, and it's my favorite instrument to hear, and all that. But I am not a guitarist, and uh, so so some of the super sure. technical aspects of gear would certainly elude me and and some of my my listeners. Although I'm sure there's plenty of my audience that play and have a real interest in this. But you have. Um, You've really uh, put a lot into coming out with your own line of amps and gear. Uh, tell me, I'm pronouncing it right. Is it Lurkst? Am I saying it right? That's perfect. Okay, so Lurkst amplif- uh, nope. amplifiers, and you you partnered with Mojo Tone, and you've created this new line of of gear. So. I know obviously you've been playing guitar forever and I'm sure like every guitar player I've ever talked to the, uh, finding the perfect tone, finding the perfect equipment is always the ultimate quest. So tell us about this line that you've put out and, uh, the journey it took you to, to get here with it. Okay. So I've, I've had a relationship with Mojo tones. I think it's for 14 or 15 years now. Um, they're a company in North Carolina and, you know, they're a fabricator. So they, they build pickups, they build guitar parts, amplifiers, all kinds of things. And, um, Getty's tech was dealing with them for some pickups and some, uh, accessories. And I mentioned to him that, you know, I'd love to, to get, get an amp built to the specs that I, I'd like and uh, so I approached them. They said, well, you know, we can build anything 
you want. You just tell us what that platform is, and then we'll, we'll go from there. So I'd used a Marshall uh, Silver Jubilee in the studio for uh, Clockwork Angels, and I really liked the amp a lot. Uh, I used it on a lot of stuff. You know, in, in the studio, I take all my stuff, and then we rent just tons and tons of gear. So there's plenty there to, to mess around with. So I spoke to them about using that as a platform and just tweaking some of the things that I'd like uh, done to it. The top end, I wanted it a little smoother. The upper mids, I wanted that a little, you know, rounder, a little softer. So they went ahead and built it, and, and it has all the things that I look for in tonality in an amplifier and response. You know, I'm sort of in a, in a good lucky position i've been doing it for so long i know lots of gear so to come up with something that's sort of the ultimate for me was really a fun endeavor they built the amps i've used them ever since uh just recently we kind of uh, revamped them uh mostly cosmetic i mean the, the guts are all the same but cosmetically the look is a little different a little sleeker and uh just different colors so that's uh, you know you know and the idea of of you know selling them making them available was uh, just a natural next step and then from there we went into some effects units and we're sort of developing that we have the Bitor pedal that's uh, that's come out and strong and we have some other ideas uh, bubbling under so it's been a lot of fun sort of developing this whole brand, Lurks brand and uh, I, there's still lots more stuff to do and and I feel but really, really good about it. it. The amp sounds really, really great, and that's the important thing for me. Yeah, I'm looking at the uh, the photo of it, and there's I have a photo of you with them uh, standing there, and uh, it's funny because in the press release for this, it does say that even if you don't play, they look so cool, you're still going to want one. And I was like, yeah, I could see that because it's really the cabinets and stuff. It looks really cool, like. It might it looks so cool. It might even inspire me to try to learn how to play, which I'd love to do one of these days. But uh, th that's it, they're definitely cool looking. Now, um, in this line, there's something called the Omega, which is your actual signature amp, correct? Correct. That's so. The Omega is a 50 watt amp. Um, it has that sort of British tone to it, you know, that, that Marshall's had, and it has that flavor. Um, and then the Kai, that came out after, and that's just a smaller amp. That's you know 30 watts, different tubes, has a slightly different response. Uh, it also comes in a um, combo version with one 12-inch speaker. So that's that's the amp currently that I have here at home. And any kind of uh, sort of sessions or or gigs that I do locally, I take that one with me. Uh, and then in the in my studio here in my apartment, I've got a couple of the Lurk stamps and I had a Lurk cabinet and I use it as my main uh, go-to for any recording that I'm doing. And for people that want to learn more about this, I know the website is lurkstamps.com. That's L-E-R-X-S-T-A-M-P-S.com. That's where you can learn more. But for people listening, Alex, that are guitar players and they'd love to plug into one of these, try it out, possibly buy it, can they just go to any of their, their music stores, wherever they're listening, and, and are they pretty readily available? Um, not, not yet, because it's a boutique camp, so there's not a lot of uh, stock. Um, 
you know, we've had a very successful beginning. Uh, we, we sold a lot of units on online. So um, that's, that's a wonderful compliment because that's not going to a, a, rec, a music store and plugging it in and, and having a listen. I think some people are uh, want to get the amp on on spec. They just, um, I guess they trust me that the amp will sound sound good. Um, I think the best way to to get more information is to go to the to the website um, and see what's there, and you can definitely order. Uh, eventually, I'm hoping that once enough orders go out to or what's enough units go out to the uh to the retailers that there will be a better opportunity to try them out live in, in coming up with your own line like this you mentioned marshall a couple times did you i mean you've been playing forever did you kind of call on all your experiences with all the different amps and heads you've used over the decades of touring and recording to kind of hone in on this was did everything you've done in your career kind of uh, provide a bit of a blueprint or were you trying to throw all that out and say, no, let's just start completely fresh? I think uh, my experience informs me as to what I want to hear at the end. Um, I think specifically the, the, the Marshall Silver Jubilee that, that was uh, released in the eighties for a very short period Um was a really good starting platform for me because it, it really emulated all the other marshals that I've had over the years. But that one in particular had something that, that I heard that I really liked. So as a starting point, that's kind of the sound that I was looking for, you know, more of that, the, the classic British um, rock sound. Uh, so that was a, a really great launching point, but it has all those characteristics, I think, that, that I've come to know over the years, whether it was Marshall or High White, High Watt or Orange or um, Hughes and Kettner, you know, I've learned what I've liked about all those amps and what I didn't like. And that's really what we tried to do with the lyrics to make it the thing that I would like completely. <laughs> you know, I got to tell you, as a, as just a, a fan of guitar playing and, and rock music, I'm just happy that you are putting amps out and making amps because something that came to my attention from friends who are musicians that's been a thing in the last few years, which I'm sure you're well aware of, maybe you've even used it, is that guitar players not actually using amps and plugging into these little boxes, whether it's this device, I think one is called a fractal or whatever, where you don't even actually, you know, you just dial in your sounds. And I got to tell you from, and I don't play again. I so I don't know. I just talk from my ears as a fan out in the crowd. I hate when people play those things, Alex, because it just does. It feels different. It just it doesn't move air. It's it's sterile sounding. I went to see a, a actual tribute band recently, and my friend who's a guitar player in Vegas, he's like, "You got to hear these guys. They're amazing." And then we went and watched them. And I looked at him, I go, it sounds like shit. It's just so sterile and there's no feel to it. And he's like, looks, and he knew. And he's like, oh, they switched to those, whatever they're called. I know a name brand of one of them is Fractal, these direct little devices. And he goes, they're not actually playing through amps anymore. I'm like, what? Like, So I'm just glad that mm. actual amps exist. And I don't know where you land on those other devices, but that seems to become a trend and I guess for some people, it's very easy to just dial in their sounds like that. But to me, it loses all the feel in the room. 
Well, I've been a fractal user for years, but I just use it for effects. Um, and they make great gear, but I don't use that amp modeling feature that's on them. I would say my experience is this. It's convenient to use those plugins and those, you know, small um, modeling units. But when you're recording, they sound like you've pasted that sound on, on your monitor screen. As soon as you turn an amp on with a cabinet and a mic in front of it, suddenly you hear all this depth. You hear all the yes. air. You, it is just such a big difference. Uh, I never use, even for convenience sake, I never use plugins anymore. I'm really old school when it comes to this, this sort of thing. And I, and I get it. It's, like I said, it's convenient. Not, not a lot of gear you're lugging around. But a guitar with a cable into an amp, just you can't beat it. That's the ultimate for that kind of sound. Yes, and again, I'm not a musician. I can just tell from what I'm hearing out front, but that's my experience just looking yeah. at a stage, you know? Um, you know, I, I know, right. and I know guys in major, major bands that play them. I mean, uh, uh, you know, the guys in Def Leppard walked me onto the stage and then Phil showed me his thing. He said, look at this thing, man. And, you know, for them, there's aspects of it that work, but for me, I just... Yeah, when I go in and I, I go to a show and I see a cabinet with a mic on it, I'm like, I know I'm going to get some some ballsy guitar. I know it's going to move air. I know it's going to have some yeah. feel to it. So I'm glad that uh, you know that that you're you know you're going this route with what you're doing as well. When when you look back at your recording career, uh, Alex, which of course we'll touch on what you might be doing now because we had you were doing a new band at one point. That's the last time I had you on. But before we get to that, you know. Coming into this interview, I played a little bit of Stick It Out, which was, for me as a lifelong Rush fan, a really pivotal moment. Because as I've talked to you about in the past, and I think Getty touched on this in his book, and he didn't realize how severe it was. But yeah, there's a large, large period of Rush in the 80s where you got lost a little bit, where you're, it was way too synth-heavy for my tastes, and the guitar got lost in the picture. And Stick It Out on counterparts to me was I always tell people that was the return of my rush. <laughs> that was the return of Alex Lifeson and and never a bigger sound than that to do it with that opening riff to that first song. So when you look at your journey as a recording artist and, and all the different tones and the things you've done as a player, what jumps out at you is like some of the pivotal moments, some of your favorite moments on record that you created? Well, you know, I've always been a progressive thinker when it when it comes to music and our music and what I can achieve as a guitarist. It's always been important to me to do things that are un-guitar like, maybe more so now than than in the past. I you know, I I had my issues with that period of keyboards. I was a total supporter of expanding our sound and, and all of that. And, and we did that. We did that very early from the mid seventies. When we got to the eighties, uh, it seemed like the whole idea of, uh, using keyboards in our music took a much bigger role. And, and that eventually, you know, uh, got better in a way for me as a guitarist, uh, and certainly, Counterparts was 
where we did return to a, a much more three-piece sound augmented with keyboards, which is the way I kind of always heard it. You know, those those records in the mid-'80s, they, they are fantastic. I'm super proud of them. They were a real challenge for me to fit in with all the keyboards. And, you know, we did, we layered the keyboards before we put guitar on. So, you know, that, that really, you know, made me think about what I was trying to do and, and where I would fit in and tonality. How can I cut through this heavy, dense layer of keyboards? So it was all very, very challenging, but I will say that with counterparts that all kind of, uh, settled down into you know a much better place um it's hard for me to be objective about uh, things like that but i would say that now with envy of none the stuff that i'm doing with, with this particular project is super satisfying for me because I, I get to sit in my studio and i get to experiment constantly with sounds and textures uh and it's been really a super super fun for me to do that. I, I've really, really enjoyed that a lot. So that sounds like it answers my next question, because last time I think we spoke on the air, Envy of None was what you were promoting. Uh, Andy Curran, you were working with, who's uh, an old, old friend. I love Andy. Yeah. And um, uh, where, where does that stand? Is that still your, your primary focus as far as playing? You've got this great new gear you've developed and all that. I imagine you want to put it to use as much as you can. So is that really where your focus has been as far as working right now? Um, yeah, I would say mostly, um, you know, the, the first album that we released, uh, you know, it, it, all things considered, it did, did well, and I'm really proud of it. I think it sounds great. It's a really good record to listen to. The songs are strong, and Maya is an amazing artist, a vocalist. So the second iteration, we've been working on uh, a bunch of those tracks. We have uh, six or seven tracks. Um, that we're currently working on. So, um, and and that's a step up from the last one, which I'm very happy. And uh, we're moving forward, uh, which you know you obviously uh, you always want to do. But I have done some other recording. I I I, I did a thing with um, uh, two musicians that I've worked with in the past. Uh, Ty Dennis is a drummer that I work with when I go to L.A. and I, I'm with Robbie Krieger and I do the the St. Jude's thing, uh, stuff that, that he does, those events that he put on. And Ty's been sort of my go-to drummer for about the last 10 or 12 years for that. So he was working with a bass player and, uh, they were putting together some material and he asked if, if I, uh, was interested in, in throwing some stuff down. So I just finished that. They released it just recently. They're about to release their second track. And the full album will be released in February. Uh, and it was really a lot of fun working on that because that they're great players, really good songwriters, very, very different. Uh, they were completely open to whatever I wanted to do and, uh, and whatever direction I, I wanted to go. And, you know, it was a, a very, um, you know, symbiotic relationship that I had with them on these songs that, that they wrote, um, and they'd like to continue doing stuff, stuff in the future, and I would be happy to do that. I mean, I'm working with a bunch of different people and playing constantly and playing every day. It got me into a really good habit of playing daily, and whether I'm working on something or not. You know, that's just kind of uh, an extra bonus. Uh, I play every night for oh, 
45 minutes or so um, before I go to bed. It's just a beautiful time for me. And I like being kind of in that routine of, of playing. And I tell you, it gets harder. I'm, I'm 70 years old now and the fingers don't work quite the same. Um, but, but my brain is, which is important. Uh, and so if I keep playing, I'll keep thinking new stuff and exercise my fingers. Uh, and this is who I am. And, um, I kind of got lost a little bit after, you know, rush packed it in. The whole idea of retirement was, uh, not really something I was <laughs> interested in. I'd say both Getty and I, um, but it, it, it was what it was. And so I just kind of played golf and I, you know, dicked around a little bit. And, and then of course, Neil got sick. Uh, so it's, it's nice to have gone through that whole period. And now I'm in my regular groove. I have a, a really cool, fun little studio in my apartment. And, uh, I spend all my time. Well, I'm in here right now. I spend all my time in here, just messing around and playing and adding parts and, it's a good life. <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, do you, do you, have, do you have to run or do you have a couple more minutes? Cause there's a few other things I wanted to ask you about what you just talked about. Do you have a few more minutes or no? Sure. Sure. Okay. So you, you uh, talked about playing a lot, which is great to hear. And I'm sure everybody who's a fan of your playing loves hearing that. But um, when you did R40, I recall, and I came to see you guys in, in Denver, I remember, but you made a lot of news at that time because you had revealed that you were dealing with an arthritic condition. And and I do remember watching you that night playing. And there was a couple of times you actually kind of shook your hand out as you, in the middle of the set at certain points. So has that subsided? Have you gotten a handle on that as far as your health? No, I, yeah, no, no. I would say that's uh, slowly getting worse uh, as to be expected. So I, I have a psoriatic arthritis and I've been dealing with it for, for quite a while, for almost 20 years. I'm on two biologics. So sort of like a double whammy in dealing with it. And it's been very, very effective, uh, despite the side effects and, and all of that, it's been a really effective regimen for me and it's really helps my, uh, hands. Um, I have times where the inflammation is just, uh, you know, has its own mind. And that's when you'll see me shaking my hands like that. Uh, but it is what it is. And, and I can still get by. And um, I'm so used to it. I don't really even think about it that much anymore. Mm. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest. But let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. I love my cat, Tiger. And as my best friend, we speak our own language. What's that? You love your litter. He does, because I use Fresh Step Outstretch Litter. It absorbs 50% more waste and odor and requires less changing compared to Fresh Step Multicat. Less changing means more time playing. <laughs> right, Tiger? That's a yes. Find Fresh Step Outstretch Cat Litter in the pet aisle. Fresh Step is a registered trademark of the Clorox Pet Products Company. Certain trademarks used under license from the Procter & Gamble Company or its affiliates. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. 
because... Hey, listen. Remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. <laughs> well. Ooh, yeah. That happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface. True or false? Walmart has eye care. True. Stop by Walmart to save and browse top designer frames right where you already shop. And they accept most insurance. Welcome to Easy Eye Care. Welcome to your Walmart. And, you know, we talked about Getty's book and you going out and doing those appearances. And, and uh, you know, Getty was very, very open in all the press he's done, whether it was for the book or his TV series that's out and the base book and all of that about his desire to want to play and in, in any configuration. And what's, you know, I remember last time I talked to you, you were very adamant against the idea of touring ever again. So where do you, you know, given what Getty's been out there saying and where you land as far as what you're dealing with, you know, where do you sit in all of that as far as, you know, working with Envy of None or anything that you want to do going forward? Have you changed about the idea of possibly going on the road or in any configuration with any band, or is that still a non-starter to tour? <laughs> okay. So 40 years of touring, I'm not interested in touring anymore. I enjoyed it when we did it. There were lots of ups and downs, you know, the, the gig is great. The show is great. And for, for the other 21 hours in a day you're just waiting for those three hours and it gets tiring especially when you have a family and you have loved ones at home that you're estranged from for months and months and months at a time i i I don't i don't miss that aspect of it do i like playing in front of people yeah yeah I, i i i still like that maybe not to the point where i have to do it but when we did the Taylor Hawkins benefits and uh, we did the South Park thing in, in Denver, um, and I, you know, I, I do these Christmas shows with uh, Andy Kim, and lots of great musicians that I get to play with. You know, then it's fun. I really enjoy that, and it's controlled and it's, and it's great to make a big deal and do a tour and get back into that thing. I don't really have an interest in that. I know get would like to play again and he would like to to spend some time writing. But beyond that, honestly, we haven't talked about anything beyond just getting together and having a coffee and just, you know, bashing out a few notes. He has a lot of stuff in his life. He's a very busy person. He's really enjoying this phase of, uh, of being an author. Uh, he's on the go, 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 go all the time. And I'm here and I'm playing on all these different projects. So in a way I've continued being that musician and he's gone off to do other things. So whenever he's ready, I, 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 like usual, I only live five minutes away from him. Like we have all our lives. I'll go over and hang out and and we'll, you know, we'll we'll, we'll turn turn the recorder on and, and do some stuff, but there's no plan for a tour. There's no plan for, for, for anything. And I know rumors get started and, and people have their desires and lots of people would like, love to see us get back and, and play again. Well, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know. It, who knows? Maybe if we're together, we're messing around and we get excited, 
certainly after we did those gigs, it was quite heady and, and very exciting. But I really love my life right now, and I don't know if I want to disrupt it by being away from the things that I'm really enjoying uh, for for any reason. And by the way, the last tour, I thought, was a, a terrific tour for Rush. I thought we played oh, yeah. really well. I thought the show was really fun. You know, going back in time to the beginning was a great way to, to celebrate uh, the end of, of the band. I don't know if at 70 years old, 10 years later, if I can play like I played back then. I, I haven't played that material in nine years. And if I can't play it like I played it nine years ago, then I really have no interest in doing it. I think Rush has a strong legacy because of the way things ended. We ended on a high note. And that's the way people remember us. And I think that, that also is partly partly the reason why so many people would love to see us back out because that's the memory they have of us. You know, we were dedicated to what we were doing. We, we practiced a lot. We were passionate. We played our hearts out. And physically, 10 years later, at this stage, these these 10 years, I don't know if we can do that. I don't know. Can Ged sing like he did? Can I play guitar? Can you play bass like he did? I don't know. Unless we did a big rehearsal and, and tried to do all that stuff, we'll never know. But just, you know, you know, thinking intellectually how this would work, I'm not a, you know, I'm not keen on doing it really. Well, Alex, I got to tell you, I could, I have this thing I say all the time with my favorite bands, as much as I'd love to see some of them again, I also don't want to see them come back and be a shell of what they once were. And as I say, stay too yeah. long at the party. And I'm telling you, and I'm not just saying this because you're on the air with me. You can ask any of my listeners. I use Rush as the benchmark example constantly of a band that couldn't have ended on a better, higher note. Because I went to that R40 show, and I remember talking to Getty. I doubt you remember it, but I was at the show in Denver. We hung out afterwards before a little bit. I got a photo. I posted it earlier. I remember it vividly. And I I remember talking to Getty because Getty sang so well on that tour. And I remember after the show and he said to me, yeah, I cut out dairy and it really helped my voice. And it like, really surprised me. But the structuring of the show, the way you did it, even though you guys never even built it as a farewell tour, that as my last memory of the many Rush shows I've seen is among one of the best shows I've ever seen you guys do. And uh, even though you didn't do play the farewell card, you couldn't have ended in a better way. It was just remarkable for people who saw it. Yeah, I agree. It really, really was amazing. Yeah, totally so, yeah, I mean, and as much as I selfishly would be the first one in line if you did it, you know, I I get what you're saying completely. I really do. Okay, I've kept you too long, I'm sure. Last question. Because <laughs> you know me, Alex. I talk to you forever. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> people listening right now to this radio show, maybe young people, older people, people that never got into Rush, what – is what is the record you would tell somebody right now listening to to say this is where you should jump in start here because you got a big catalog what would you do where would you where would you send them yeah i don't that's tough because you know you're talking about 40 years of of recorded music 
I mean, in of course, moving pictures is a good place to go because I think the songs are really strong and the production's great. 2112 is very, very important because that's when we became the band that we would become. Um, and Clockwork Angels was a very important record, you know, because it, it was the bookmark. Uh, and just the fact that the um, the garden is the closing track on that record. It was, I mean, it was just too perfect. Uh, it was serendipity for sure, but I couldn't imagine a better song to end mm. the last record that we made. Uh, so, I, you know, I would spread it out over those three records. What do you think when you hear your first, I know, I know I said I wouldn't ask you another thing, but what, I'm just curious, what do you think of when you listen to the very first record? Especially you as a guitar player and talking about tone, that very, very first record. Oh. I have such fond memories of that record because it's your first record. We were playing bars in high schools and to make a record was such a big deal, especially for a Canadian band. You know, it was not easy to get record deals and and create any interest. Uh, and Canada was a much smaller country then. Um, but the tones, I think, on that record are great. They're representative of where we were at. I mean, you know, obviously we were very influenced by Zeppelin at that time. And, uh, you know, Getty's voice was so unique and strong. And, and we were playing our hearts out and we were young and full of, you know, piss and vinegar uh, it was so exciting. I, I, I really liked the way that record sounds. It was not easy to make. I mean, we made that record in a couple of days. Um, we recorded it and, uh, with somebody else, and it was terrible. Uh, and then we went to Terry, and Terry basically rescued it, and we dropped a few songs and added a few more current songs when we met up with him. And, I mean, he, he's, he was such a great producer and a great engineer, uh, and he understood what we were getting at. So I, I, I really, I mean, I haven't heard that record in a long, long, long time. But certainly my memory is, is very strong. I, oh, actually, I will say I heard Finding My Way the other day on the radio, actually. Um, and I was surprised at how good it sounded. <laughs> it's great. I, lo- I bring it up because I love it. And one of my favorite deep tracks on that record, and speaking of your guitar playing and the solo is just killer, is Here Again. I mean, I love that track. And, of course, Working Man is a mm. classic. But, yeah, I mean, when you think about how long ago that record is and when you're talking about guitar playing and the evolution of guitar playing, obviously you've taken a unbelievable path and evolution since then. But I, I love my favorite bands. I love going back to where it all started. And I think that record still very much holds up. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, I really do. Well, listen, man, I, I can't thank you enough for the time. And uh, everybody listening, check out Alex's line of gear. Uh, you can go to, again, it's lurkstamps.com, L-E-R-X-T-A-M-P-S, lurkstamps.com. You can see all the different uh, stuff going on there, the cabinets, the heads, everything that you're uh, you're building out along with the folks at Mojo Tone. And anything else, Alex, you want the audience to know before I let you get out of here? Um, no, no, I'm really excited about this whole other level of engagement that's, uh, was happening with all these, um, gear additions, you know, I, my heart's in it and I'm behind it. So it's not, we're not just throwing stuff out. 
just to take advantage of people. This is really, really great quality, and I'm really proud of it. So, if you and got you've an got interest, custom, you've got a custom line of guitars too, right? You've got signature guitars as well. That's a project that we're working on. So, uh, yeah, that there'll be some news about that coming up shortly. Because I'm figuring if you're going to sell the amps and the heads, you got to make sure you got a custom guitar that plugs into them, right? At some point? <laughs> yeah, well, yep. <laughs> uh, you can't yeah, well, talk you know, about I've, it. I've it's... done the stuff with the, uh, I've done the stuff with the Epiphone, and we've, you know, developed that, and, and some of the, the Gibson guitars, so they're all great instruments. Uh, and then we have some other more personal alert stuff coming out soon, so that's going to be great. All right. All right. Well, well, maybe we'll talk when that hits as well. But uh, you know where to get me anytime. Sure. Anything going on? Always great to visit with you, Alex. Thank you so much for the time today, and uh, congratulations with this line of amps. Thank you so much, Eddie. Take care of yourself. We'll talk soon. Okay. Take care. Bye bye. Well, big thanks to Alex Lifeson. Check out his Lurks amplifiers, which uh, you just heard him talk all about how to get those and get into that if you are a player or. Alex even says in the press release, they look so cool, maybe you just want one to have in your house. That would be the category I would fall into since I can't play a note, but <laughs> they do look pretty darn cool. All right, thank you to Alex Lifeson. Remember, listen to me live every day, 3 to 5 Eastern on Faction Talk, Sirius XM Channel 103, or anytime on the Sirius XM app, live or on demand. If you don't have Sirius XM, come on board and join us. And you can use that free trial if you want, SiriusXM.com slash Eddie Trunk. 90 days free, no credit card required. Thank you all for listening. I will uh, hopefully be seeing you this weekend at Rock Island in Key West. Maybe see you next week in Anaheim on the Wednesday of next week for the Hall of Fame show, the Metal Hall of Fame, or maybe next Tuesday at the Canyon Club in Agora Hills. Bunch of great guitar players playing tri uh, paying tribute to Leslie West. Again, keep an eye on my socials. I'll keep you posted as to everything going on. And I'll catch you next Thursday right back here for another episode of the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because oh God, the charcoal mess. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed.